0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. The moment that the Virgin Mary conceived, a precise measured amount of time began to tick down up in heaven. And of course, we could say that because God, if you really want to, you know, talk about, we could always jump back further and say the moment that Adam sinned. But just for today, we're going with this. And that's as soon as Mary conceived up in heaven, a clock started to tick. And it's a precise measured amount of time. And in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 30, here's, uh, it says, and then at last... The sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all peoples of the earth and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then this scripture in verse uh, 36 says, However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself Only the Father knows. So the Father up in heaven knows the exact time that he's going to send Jesus back to the earth. So as I was thinking about that, some things came into my heart. And so what I'm calling this today is the domino effect. And it's based on the fact that as soon as Mary conceived and began to carry Jesus, there was a clock in heaven that started to tick. And then there was a series of events that started to happen. So here is a single sentence definition of domino effect. A domino effect is the effect produced when one event sets off a chain of sequential events. And so when Jesus, when Mary was conceived with Jesus, that was a major event. But that event initiated a sequence of events. And so we're going to talk about that today. And there's, there's, we could probably talk about this for months, for months. But we're going to, because we only have so much time, we're going to look at seven things today uh, that happen as soon as Mary conceived. And here's the first one. And I think it's really relevant and important for us as Christians The first one is, the last days began. And I think this is like something that we always need to remind ourselves, the days that we're living in. But in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And that's been going on since the day of Pentecost. And then in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, that says, Has at the end of these days spoken to us through a son, who is the predestined Lord of the universe, and through whom he made the ages. If you would notice here in both of these scriptures, if you notice it says the last days in both of them. The the word days is plural in these two verses. But now I want you to look at this verse in John chapter 12 and verse 48. And this one tells us, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So I don't know if you noticed that, but the first two scriptures, the word days was plural, but in this scripture, it's the last day. It's singular. And so uh, I, I began to think about it that, you know, well, before I say those things, let's just talk about this verse a little bit. Mankind is going to be judged Concerning whether or not they received Jesus. So as soon as Mary conceived with Jesus and all that transpired since then, things changed. We came into the last days, and in the last days, all of mankind, uh, at the end, on that one day, that last day, there's going to be judgment, and the ones that received Jesus, praise the Lord, they're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. But the ones that do not receive Jesus, they're going to be at a different judgment. So this is pretty serious, uh, that we're living in the last days. And if you really love people, it really motivates you. Love is a great motivator versus fear. And I know when when I became a Christian, the first thing I wanted to do, and you guys heard me say this before, is I wanted to see my mother and father and my brothers and one of them was married at the time and his wife that's the first thing i wanted to see them saved cuz once i became a christian i thought i know where i'm going and i never knew it's amazing when you receive jesus christ that you get clarity but i began to think about my family first and we worked on it and we got they all received jesus christ thank god so, so th- what's going to judge people is he said, my words, the words that I've spoken. So people either receive them or they reject what Jesus said. And so these things, uh, these phrases came to me. And here's some things that came into my heart. We are in the last days, but God makes a distinction that there is a last day. And it is when the people who rejected him are judged. So we could say that every, you know, this is what everyone should fear. And I I have to, you know, I can't help but noticing that the media and the big powerful politicians of the world, the leaders and billionaire people, they're attempting to make the multitudes that live on the earth afraid of the climate and the environment, and they're saying that that's going to bring an end. But what we really need to know, and we should as Christians know, Jesus talks about a last day, but that last day is not about the environment or the climate. And if there's anything that we should be concerned about, it's that people can go to hell for eternity. So it's a sobering thing, but we, we need to look at the Bible and see what it says, and, and, uh, and we, I can't change that. I've talked to people, and they've told me, I would never serve a God that would put somebody in hell. And you know, when you, when you talk like that, what you're really saying is, hey, like, I know better than God, you're, you're resisting God. And you're allowing God's word to offend you. So I'm not questioning God. I'm just looking in his word and saying, what, what does the word say? So these, these came into my heart. The only opportunity mankind has to receive Jesus as Savior is while they are alive on the earth. That's the only opportunity, okay? And then um, another that came into my heart, the only opportunity Christians have to share Jesus with the lost is while they're alive on the earth. So our opportunity to share Jesus is while we're alive. There's, there's a set amount of time. So as soon as Mary conceived, this clock started to tick. And it was an amount of time for mankind on the earth, we have this opportunity to receive Jesus. So the domino effect, it's, a, it's sequential events. We have a set amount of time both to receive Jesus and to share Jesus. So that's the first thing that began to go, this this domino effect. Here's, Here's the second thing. We're going to look at seven of them today. The second thing is that grace replaced the law. And so when I say that, you know, let me explain it a little bit. The old covenant was based on the law, and this new covenant that we're in is based on grace. And so as soon as Jesus rose from the dead... And he went and ascended up on heaven, and our new covenant started. Grace then is what the covenant is based on. So John 1 and verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, that's a wonderful scripture, but if you really think about this, I just was looking at statistics, and one-third of the world right now follows Christianity. But I know, because I grew up, and I grew up in the Catholic Church, and they, the statistics say that they make up one half of the Christian world. And what happens sometimes when you grow up in a church that your parents always went to, and their parents, it's been around for a couple thousand years or so, however, I don't know how long they've been around, so don't quote me on that, but they've been around for a long time. You just repeat things and you really never do th- anything, you don't say things from your heart. And, and I've said this before, so I grew up in church, my parents made us sit on the front row. We didn't want to be there, but we had to go every week. They were really disciplined, even when we didn't feel well. And we, we the church I attended, we didn't believe in divine healing, but my parents were disciplinarians, and they made us go to church, if we, if we were contagious, we didn't have to go. But you're, you're just not going to get out of church saying that my nose is running or I got a little cough. I mean, that's like, no. So we're on the front row, but we didn't want to be there. And so you stand up and you say the creed. I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in his only begotten son. But I mean, everyone's saying it, but we were seeing how fast we could say it to finish because we just wanted it to be over. What I'm saying is nothing came from our heart. It wasn't from the heart. And so we were not Christian But the statistics, the worldwide statistics, would count us as that. So according to the statistics, one-third of the world is Christian, and half of that one-third is from the Catholic Church. I just was looking, and and that's what I found. I know there's a lot of websites, so that's the website that I looked at. So so we could say then that two-thirds of the world, probably they don't understand that the law was given by Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. They don't understand that. So we 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 could say it this way: there is only one system in the entire world that's based on grace. So what may be common for us, what maybe for some of us, we've heard this throughout the years, is very on. It's not common for two-thirds of the world. And so we have this set amount of time, you know, this domino effect. Jesus came, and as soon as he came, this clock began to tick. The Father God knows exactly when he's sending Jesus back to the earth, and when that happens, our opportunities are over, and there's like two-thirds of the world, and they don't even understand what what Jesus did about this grace covenant. Okay, so... Um, we, we should all be grateful that we found him. But here, here's something that came into my heart about this. One of the greatest acts of humility is to admit you need a savior, realizing your good works can't save you. And the world needs to hear that so much. As we were growing up, we just thought if you were good, you could go to heaven. And much of the world thinks that. We have a grace-based system. And I don't know if you know this, but if I'm not mistaken, every other religion of the world is based on works. It's what everyone does to get them to heaven. And Jesus came and he did something for us that will get us to heaven. It isn't what we do so much of the world has this misunderstanding and i'm sure you talk to them and they say well i'm a good person and i i haven't done anything really wrong and i help people and i give money to charity and i do this or that and so so many people are saying that very thing because they don't understand this what jesus brought grace so John chapter 6 and verse 29, here's what Jesus told them. He said, this is the only work God wants from you. So he's saying this is the only, wor- only work. You know, people that say, well, I'm good and I do these things. He said, believe in the one who he has sent. This is a major shift when Jesus began to say these things, to a group of people that had a law that was based on do's and don'ts. And now he's saying this to them, because they really, works were so important to them, and Jesus is saying, this is the only work God wants you to, from you. Now, after we become Christians, there's work, but we do it from a different place. So what makes you a Christian He said this is the only work and that one thing is that you believe on him who sent me. So we could say this that all other systems are built on the works of its followers but this system is built on the work of its founder. Very different. So when it comes to salvation Jesus bought and paid for it which includes our healing and the only work that we have to do it's we, we believe so we're, we're not required to earn physical healing when it comes to healing so many people think if they do like enough prayer and enough this and enough that and really a lot of times we try so hard I encourage everyone to just like relax and by grace through faith, receive. It's already bought and paid for. And when we approach him, we think... We, a lot of times people look at themselves more than they look at him. How long have I prayed? How many scriptures have I meditated on? Have I been doing this? Have I been doing that? And all of those things are good. Praying is good and feeding on the scriptures. But there's just a time that... It's just like, relax and say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you put sickness on Jesus. And I receive that. You did the work. I receive it. So we could say this, salvation gained by grace through faith is a major shift in thinking to the multitude of people working to earn forgiveness and salvation. It's a major shift. So we have this time, this domino effect it's a chain reaction that started. Jesus, Mary was conceived. Jesus was born. He walked on, he did all that he did. There's going to be a time that he comes back to earth. We have this limited amount of time to share these things. Here, here's, here's another one. Uh, all living people are required to make a choice. So this domino effect. Everybody on the earth is required to make a choice. So Satan, you know, he was cast out of heaven, and he immediately began to work on the earth against God. Once he was cast out of heaven, he went to work. And it's interesting, because if you think about the nations that were against God's nation of Israel, they were probably inspired by Satan. And why? is because he's the eternal enemy of God. So years later, after, you know, Israel most of the time defeated those nations, unless they were in rebellion to God, but then years later, Satan was defeated at the cross. He thought he could wipe Jesus out, and it was a monumental defeat. But what happened after that, after he was defeated, he went to work again, and this time he is working against God the Father, the Son, and the Church. And why? Again, because he's the etern- eternal enemy of God. So Satan is undermining the things of God. He's undermining things in the Bible. So sometimes uh, we know that God's ministers might present truth in a way that's not the best way to present it. That brings added criticism. But we have to say this, that a poor presentation of truth by a minister doesn't make the truth Untrue. It doesn't eliminate that truth. So if somebody shares in a way that doesn't explain it right, it's still truth, whether it's shared perfectly or not. So here's this thing what's going on right now. There's this question that if you look at some of the talk show hosts, and they have the same question all the time, and that is this. Is Jesus the only way to God? I don't know if you notice, a number of talk show hosts... Some of you weren't born when, you know, there's a talk show host. He's, I don't know where he is. His name was Larry King, but he interviewed, uh, he was been interviewing people for years. He's no longer alive, but he interviewed a minister many years ago, and he asked the question, is Jesus the only way to get to God? And this particular minister, I wasn't happy with his answer because he wasn't direct. He, he went around the bush and he really didn't give an answer uh, but this question is, is Jesus the only way to God? Why is this question being asked? And why is it so important? And, and we'll say that in a minute. But there's like, a, there's like this new phrase that showed up. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't heard the phrase. It's called hate speech. And so hate speech now is being used, that phrase... And it's actually also being applied to certain verses in the Bible. So, one of the verses it's being applied to is this particular verse here, where uh, it's John chapter 14 and verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, this verse uh, now is being considered as hate speech because it's very direct. And it says that there's only one way to heaven, that Jesus is the only way. So remember, everyone on the earth, once Jesus came, rose again, and was seated, it put the entire population of planet earth in a position to make a decision. Everyone on the earth has to make a decision. So this domino effect, it's like sequential events unfolded. Uh, Before Jesus, there really was no way to God. I don't know if you ever thought, before Jesus, there really was no way to God. After the resurrection of Jesus, there is now a way to God, and the way is through Jesus. So here's what Jonathan Kahn says. He said, at any moment, it all ends with a heartbeat. Just one heartbeat, and there's no more time. One heartbeat, and the chance to be saved is gone. One heartbeat, and there's no more choosing. It's all sealed for eternal life or eternal death. Very sobering statement from Jonathan Cahn, who's a Jewish man uh, that found the Lord. And and so if you think about that, that, (laughs) I said it earlier, it's only while we're alive on the earth that we can receive Jesus. It's only while we're alive on the earth that we can share Jesus. But it's also important to note that, and God did this, every person that breathes on the earth is required to make this decision. So we're just talking about this, this domino effect that happened as soon as Jesus came. Here's, here's another one, and I, I found this very interesting. Number four, a new contending for nations began. So before Jesus, the nations in the Middle East, they repeatedly tried to annihilate Israel. There was that contention. And then at other times, you know, Israel, they actually were divided against their self, uh, and that was a different thing. But generally speaking, the nations in that part of the world, they were consistently, there was contention with Israel. And why is that? Because Israel was God's nation, and Satan is the eternal enemy of God. So there was inspiration to go after the things of God. But here's something very interesting in First Thessalonians 2.14. It says, For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. You suffered the same things from your own countrymen as did from the Jews. As they did from the Jews. Who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. And displease God and oppose all mankind. I thought this was interesting. We're talking about mankind. All of mankind has to make a decision. But this next verse is an amazing verse. And it says, By hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. And I really never noticed that before. But there's like a new contention. As soon as Jesus Christ rose from the dead... And if you go down further in verse number 18, uh, you see who's behind it. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. And so there's a new, this domino effect, as soon as Jesus rose and the time clock started, the contention went, and of course Israel still gets attacked, and there's still groups of people that want to annihilate Israel because they are still considered God's nation. But then there are the other nations of the world and there is a contention that's going on. And, and so I'm going to just read this one more time because I think it's really important. This domino effect, this is what's going on. It says in verse number 16 again, uh, if we can look at that, by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles, if you don't know what Gentiles are, there were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. The Gentiles were everyone that was not Jewish. So that means the rest of the entire world. When Jesus came, the attention also went off the Jews. Like God's attention, he's, they're still apart. The Jews are going to come back even as we go toward the end times. They're going to come back more visibly as far as what God's going to do. But right now we're in the time of the Gentiles. And so there's this contention that's going on. And look at this, by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So this domino effect that started, we have this set amount of time, and God is focusing on the non-Jewish nations. And there's contention. And you see right there that the devil wants to hinder the gospel from going forth to all the nations of the world that were not Jewish. Of course, God still wants to get the Jews saved. I'm not saying he doesn't. But here we are in this wonderful country and we would be foolish to think that the devil is not trying to hinder the gospel from going out to this country or any other country. So we're just looking at things in the Word. I really never noticed this portion of Scripture before but we see that there is a supernatural resistance for us to preach the gospel to those that are lost. So we, you know, I was thinking about the, the way that Israel attacked, uh, Satan attacked Israel. But what's going on today, we might not be fighting with guns over, but there's an, there, the education systems are being infiltrated. In these wonderful countries. When I was young, how different it was. When I grew up, we were allowed to pray before school in the morning. We were allowed that we were allowed to do anything in our school when I grew up in the United States. They were allowed to talk about God. Somewhere along the line, it's like, no, you're no longer allowed to talk about God. Now, I, I want to. When I say that, we might think, "Well, you're you're getting, you're talking about politics." But I, I would, you know, generally I could agree with that. But I want, I just want to refer this. I'm not trying to be political. It says in verse sixteen, by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. And so, th- this is not that. And it says that, it says Satan hindered us. And so we have to understand that the gospel, there's supernatural resistance from getting this message out. And, you know, if things are going on in the supernatural, it's the spiritual world, there's one way to make a difference in that realm, and it's prayer. But I'm just like looking, I'm just showing you some of the things that's going on here, and, and we have this set amount of time so the, um, this, the education systems, uh, the media, they love to publicize the failures of the church, but they stay quiet concerning the victories of the church. They go after those that preach, and then even the church will fight when the church fights one another. Churches competing and churches fighting. It's the domino effect. There's like these sequential events unfolding. And so Satan shifted his attention to stop the multiplication of the church in the nation. So this came into my heart. When we understand that God's number one priority is to use the church to build the church, we'll stop criticizing the church because of our, our because our feelings were hurt at one time or the other and i personally make it my business not to criticize the church other churches i don't want to do that i want to be friends with other pastors i want to be friends with the entire body of christ i don't want to dig up dirt put it on youtube about other people and so this is going on, and, and so this is like uh, we we just have to need to understand these things. Uh, here's number five, and this is another thing that happened: the magnitude of Jesus was revealed. We would have never known how awesome He was, but it's once Mary conceived and He was born, and all the thing, and then once He raised up and seated in heaven. We learned way more about him. So, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, those two verses are awesome just by themselves, but there's so much more. Look at these next, like jumping down to verse 16. Look at this. It says, For by Him, So, we could get together, a group of us, and we could write a few documents, and we can come up with a lot of good moral objectives, we can come up with like a vision, we can appoint like a charismatic person to lead and share the vision, Uh, we can promote like this holy way of living, and you put it on paper, and we can have like a new religion. (laughs) You know, sounds great, huh? But in the end, it's men and women writing points. And they sound wholesome and good. But look what we're talking about here. We're talking about a Savior that came to the earth. And it says, by him, all things were created. Is there anyone else that has those qualifications? Was there like this group of people that got together and wrote some things on a paper and came up with a good idea and said, let's start this new thing? We're talking about the creator of all things here in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. We're, We're talking, and then look at this in verse 17. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And so the moment that Mary conceived and Jesus came into the earth, we're talking about something that's so holy, so powerful. It's even hard to come up with words, so awesome. We're talking about the creator of the universe coming down to save his creation. And so when Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life, that's no small statement. And I know that I cannot disagree with God when I really know these kind of things. And I know that my eyes have been open, and I know so many of your eyes are open to this. But the creator of all things came to earth to save us. So these two verses, especially those last that we, that, that puts everything on a completely different playing field. Um, he's before all things. He always was. There's a lot of religions that pop up and they're just, you know, a few thousand years old. We're talking about this is God's son who always existed. Verse number 19 says, it says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Is there any other founder of a religion that had all the fullness of God dwelling in them? And there is not. And I say that respectfully. But thank God, and look, verse number 20 says, Through him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. There isn't any other living being that can reconcile all things to himself. No no person can do this, whether on the earth or in heaven. There isn't anyone that can do that making peace by the blood of his cross and then it says in you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him there isn't anyone else I don't care what group of people get together and write documents. Nobody can reconcile man, flesh, to the Creator, except Him. So, this came into my heart. Religion hands out works to soothe guilt. Whereas Christ cleanses sin and washes us clean... In places religion can't go. It is awesome. Oh how grateful. How grateful. We should be. Jesus removed the root of sin. By becoming sin. And paying sin's price. There isn't anyone... You get together and write a lot of nice stuff on paper, get incorporated and start a religion. There's nobody that can do that. Nobody except him. So other founders of religions, they keep mankind in guilt by reminding their followers of their duties. Duties that can't remove sin at the root Duties that can't reconcile man to God. The reconciliation seems to be with the rules of religion. That's what it seems like. If you do all these things and keep all these rules and everything, in a sense it soothes you and you feel like you're being something. Kneel and pray, do this or do that. So this domino effect that we're talking about, sequential events unfolded, so, Jesus came, he walked on the earth, he suffered, died, was buried, rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit came and moved on holy men to write God's Word. So, we've just learned when the Holy Spirit, we, we, I don't know if we understand how awesome all of this is. I, I, I'm doing my best to, we have God's Word the holy spirit the bible says moved on holy men to write in these epistles if this these colossians these verses in colossians that we just read we would not have had that if mary did not conceive and jesus was born we wouldn't know any of this it's so holy god is so good Here's here's number six. Believers have a new purpose. And I'm I'm not going to spend time on this. This is great to do a whole message on sometime. But but now as believers, this whole thing, we have a new purpose. Jesus said, come to me. He said, my burden was light. Yoke is easy. Follow me. Take up your cross. Do the same works that I do. And so, so I know sometimes I've heard people say, well, I just don't have any purpose. And I thought, well. Man, like there's like a lot of purpose there. Jesus says, come to me. He said, now when you come, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. He says, follow me. He says, take up your cross. And every person can take up their cross. It starts with sharing Jesus. And then Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. Every believer can lay hands on the sick. Every believer can minister healing. Every believer can be the part to reconcile somebody back to God. So this domino effect, these sequential events, Jesus walks, he walked amongst us, and he gave us an example of ministry. And he said, the works that I do shall you do also. So this came into my heart. Draw near to him. Follow him. Take up your cross. His burden and yoke are easy. And then this came into my heart too. Don't allow your passions to sabotage his purposes. Instead, make him your passion and his purposes will manifest through you through what you do. So if you're a business owner, if he's your passion, he'll come out in your business some way with wisdom. You'll be able to share Jesus where you work where you go. If he's the passion, he'll eventually come out. If you make something else the passion, it sabotages his purposes. And here's number seven, the last one. And that is he will return. I don't know if you know this, but one in every 30 New Testament verses refer to the second coming. One in 30 New Testament verses refer to the second coming. So Jesus came humbly the first time in a manger. But he's coming back in power the second time. So Revelations 1-7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wait on account of him. Even so, amen. And, And I shared this on my Facebook page, and I know some of you are on there, but this is, like, amazing. He's going to come in the clouds... And it says, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth will well on his account. See, when, when I mentioned earlier that every, everybody on the earth, all of mankind has a decision to make. And eventually, all of mankind is going to see him coming back. So think about every eye. That's going to be billions of eyes at the present population. But even the ones who put him to death, the Romans and so forth, that means that this event is going to be seen in the realm of the Spirit as well as on earth. This event's going to be seen in more than one dimension, in more than one realm. Heaven and, earth, heaven and hell are going to see this event. Every nation are going to see this event. So, here's a few last things. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Here's a few last things. The return of Jesus is certain. You may think you have your long range plans all figured out, but he can disrupt them in a microsecond. Figure him into all your plans, and his return won't disrupt your plans. It will be too late to receive Jesus when you see him in the sky coming in the clouds. This is your best opportunity. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and that prayer is for anyone watching online or anyone sitting here. Uh, I'm trusting that as we looked at all these scriptures today, and as I was speaking, uh, you know, it says the prodigal man came to himself. There is a time we, when everyone, when that's, I came to myself when I realized I needed a Savior, and I confess Jesus as my Lord. There, there may be people sitting right here today that you've actually got to that place where, as I was speaking, the Holy Spirit, he, he explained some things to you about what I was saying, and in your heart right now, you know that you need a Savior. I came to that place in my life where I realized I needed a Savior. If you're here today, I want to pray with you. Look at this scripture, what, what, what it says about this. Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. Because He, God... Has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. So there's a fixed day that God's going to do this judging. We looked at it by a man, Jesus, whom he has appointed. And this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And tonight we're going to see in a more deeper way about the resurrection on our worldview night. But look at this. It says, He has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. No one else was raised from the dead like this. All of the things that we saw. So I want to lead you in a prayer today. If you'll close your eyes and you can pray this from your heart. We'll say this together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, in my heart, I know I need a Savior. I choose to turn from all of my works my goodness and I choose to turn to you I'm turning from dead works and now I put faith in you Jesus I believe God raised you from the dead I receive you as my savior you're welcome in my heart Thank you so much that you died for me. Amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at bramon.org.au.